people would come up to us at the beginning and be like, so how, what are you doing for marketing? Because obviously this thing is you know still going really good. How, and I, we've got a we've got a bunch of unpaid moms out there that are telling other people about it. They're like our salesmen, you know, our salespeople out there in the world. They're killing it, and we're just like trying to remove obstacles. And that's really still our strategy is like remove obstacles from people. We do we do a thing even in our events. You probably kind of get a sense of this, but we do kind of like um, serve uh, serve hard and sell easy. Like we don't, we really don't try to sell uh, on the road at all. Like when we're doing events or anything, we, we're not really trying to sell. We're just trying to be there, trying to serve. And the sales just sort of happen. Um, we got enough people that are telling other people about it, but uh, that's, a, that's a privilege and it's an honor to, to have that. But we're just, you know, I'm so indebted to all these, these, um, these salespeople we have out in the world. They're just kind of, it's even funny we'll have a line at, at a, at a um, convention or, you know, some kind of book tour event. And, the, and there'll be people like the people in the line are telling other people. So there, there'll be people, I brought her up here because I had to tell her. And, and so it, we just, it's, it feels so, our, our audience is like the best. It's the people like you guys. It's just like the best people in the world. Like it's, we are so, so privileged. I'm glad to have Sam Smith here with me today in the podcast. Sam is an author. He goes by the pen name S.D. Smith, and he's, he's got these books. They're excellent books. My families love them. My daughters, we read them out loud to them, the Green Ember series. We have all the gear. He's uh, become kind of a buddy, getting to meet him in person at a homeschool conference in St. Charles. It's just an incredible guy. Sam, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. On the uh, balded, bearded, glasses, uh, dad podcast, um, I'm, I, I'm, it's a thrill. I'm, I'm sure you've been combing the world trying to find people that that look like us, and uh, but, but we're here. It's There's special, a lot special. more forty-something-year-old bald, bearded guys out there than you may even know. I, There's oh, a lot. There's a lot of us. We're we are a dime a dozen. I'm trying to make us feel special, but it, we're we're really not. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and, and so, and uh, S.D. Smith's not my pen name, dude. Uh, my, that's I don't my, know my initials. I'm not. Okay. I didn't make that up. That's okay. that's my. Those are my initials. Well, forgive me. I guess we'll just stop then, because I can't get <laughs> this right. I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not an author. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's good. It's it's all good. But I just made it sound like I'm some kind of far, a phony, like I'm a fraud. But I mean, well, my name is Samuel piece that you talk about everywhere because that's obviously a mistake of yours. Get it right. Get it right. Get it right. <laughs> call me by my name. So you know, oh, yeah. that, that's what we're gonna do. Then I'm gonna have to call it. Make you call me the honorable, just to the honorable. Just, okay. Yeah. As a senator, like it needs to be uh, <laughs> <laughs> official. Okay, we're gonna move on from that. But uh, you know, it's great to have you. Glad you're here. My family loves your stuff. Your story is incredible. You've become this author that's really successful um, out the gate. You're young. You quit your job to do this full time. But I really want to kind of start with the history and not the history. You've talked about the history a lot, your own history, your story a lot on other podcasts. But I'm really curious about the story about your grandfather. He was a painter and a poet and a World War II veteran, and he apparently had a big impact on you. So can you tell me about that and go into that a little bit? I'd love to. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's refreshing to talk. Well, awesome to talk about someone other than myself. That's that's really uh, that's first off. That's a, that's exciting uh, right off the bat. But 
Yeah, Papal, we call him Papal. We're 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 from the country and uh yeah, he, he had a huge impact. It still has a, a really big impact on me. Um yeah, a country boy, grew up poor, uh the depression era, you know, uh he he's a a real ma- like a man's man in every way. Lo- played football, loved to box, um worked on cars. Uh very much a man, but but he was he had this soft side he was a, he he painted he loved he loved uh beautiful things he would paint um he'd find like flat rocks and paint birds on them beautiful birds we've still got so much of his art he made bird houses he loved birds um he would paint baptistries uh he would paint signs he would paint paintings he he'd do portraits of people and some some of them are really he did uh winston churchill he he uh he when the war started, he he almost went up to Canada to join the war. He was so moved by Winston Churchill, um, but he the the second he could join uh, here, he joined and and was in the U.S. Army Air Corps, and uh, went to England and and was a ball turret gunner in in a B-17. Um, so he was a warrior and a, and a very strong man. But he was uh, but he he loved poetry. And uh, I don't know. I think that his love of poetry predated his trip to to Europe, but um, I'm not sure his own father could read very well. <clears throat> but he was really literate, and he loved poetry, loved the Bible, loved painting. So he was kind of I don't know. I, it was a big example to me. I actually fell in love with poetry through reading his poetry. I was actually it's a whole other story. But I lived in South Africa for a while as a kid. I was a missionary kid. And uh, we had a copy copies of his. Uh, there was like a little book of poetry that one year he gave to uh, his kids, and so we had one of these. And it was, and I just I fell in love with it. It was just it, it really stirred me. So he he was massively influential. My dad's a lot like him in that way. Uh, you know, n- neither of them were very hard men. They're were, they're were gracious men. They were definitely masculine and strong. And my dad was a combat veteran in Vietnam as well. Uh, and they 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 shot guns. They hunted. They were you know, but they but they loved beautiful things and and poetry and 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 stories and music and so anyway, I just grew up with that being kind of normal. Like that was a, a, it wasn't a dichotomy. It wasn't kind of like a, something that only the women in the family did. So I, I love that. That was that was crucial to me being open to words, music, uh, all the things that I think led me into the vocation that I'm in now, being a storyteller. Um, a lot of that originated with him, uh, and, and I'm and I just I'm so thankful for him. He passed away um, recently. I mean, the, in in the last, gosh, I keep thinking it's so much more recent, but it's been in the last ten years. And uh, but I miss him every day, and he's a, a huge, huge influence on my life. Do you ever get any stories of his experiences of ball turret? gunner because i i we had friends that lived in kansas city and he was a ball turret gunner in the pacific mm. and that is just a harrowing position to be in shot at in a glass hole glass cube um yeah. sphere and yeah. i just can't even fathom the, the fear that you have to get through to be on the bottom of a plane mm-hmm. and seeing what you're seeing shooting what you're shooting being in that's the that's the man that's the different view it sure is and 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 i don't know if there, there's a wonderful book by uh donald miller called masters of the air uh, about the um eighth air force and the uh the basically the the people that 
you know, that contributed greatly to winning the war in, in Europe and, and elsewhere, but um, particularly the war in Europe. And yeah, that time, I mean, there's all those boys, you know, it's such an unusual type of warfare because they're, they're going from, you know, you'd have people in the, in traditional warfare being out in the field for a long time. My dad would do that. He would be out on, uh, he was a platoon leader and be around the field for a while and maybe come back. But th these guys are like at a bar and sleeping in a bar barracks. And then, th then they're like in the air in the kind of combat that no one in history had ever been in with a chance of survival that was tiny, massively changed conditions. You know, they had this, this freezing cold up there, thin air, and they and yeah, you're in. The, he's in this this little little, like you said, this sort of little shell under there. And he's too he was too big for it. He wasn't a big man, but he was technically sort of like too big for a ball turret gunner. But they didn't have anybody else, so he did it. And uh, he yeah, the the what all of those men um, and his best friend uh, Don Roberts was killed. You know, he he didn't talk about it a whole lot, but he would talk about some. He wrote some poetry about it. Honestly, he wrote one poem called the the mission talking about counting shoots when a when a plane would start to go down and oh there's him there's him and, and oh where's he where's this guy and just losing talking about losing friends and um there's a real sad and painful side to that for sure but i think he he was proud of his service and and uh, that was the kind of guy he was he was a real man of that generation uh, and he also fell in love with England too, which is another kind of influence on me, you know, that led, I've always been kind of an Anglophile. And I think that started with a lot with him because he loved English poetry and English stories and he loved being there and it kind of always stuck with him. And, and uh, that's certainly been the case for me from, from Dickens to, to, to uh, Shakespeare to, you know, soccer, football, that kind of thing. I've, I've always loved that kind of stuff too. And I think that's partly or largely because of him and his experience. Are are you? Did he write the poems by hand? Did he get them printed somehow? What? It, what? How did you get the book of poems? Well, it's funny. He had a. He worked at. Um, he, he had a job, and there was a lady there who was a typist, and she had the suggestion. Oh, I'm gonna. I can. I remember she typed them up for him, and he had written them all by hand. And and uh, he. So she typed them up, and she, it was funny because the the title of the the book, the collection of poetry, was called the many seasons of claire his name was claire um smith and he hated that he thought that was sounding so pretentious and everything he, but he felt bad because she'd done this gift for him for 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 his kids and so he didn't say anything about it but he always kind of bristled at that i don't know, called the many seasons of claire what is that but but uh but that was his his Thanks, name's claire good. shadwell smith kind of a, a, it's kind of an unusual name but he hated that but yeah, he had some beautiful beautiful poems in there but yeah then we got this like sort of yeah back in the old days sort of typed typed uh, by some uh a, a nice lady in the in the hills and hollers of west virginia have you ever thought about publishing that yeah i have um I, one of his um one of my favorite poems of his is called rare gems and uh, the opening line to it is they burned us in the fire your page and mine and I was glad. And um, it's a really beautiful poem, but uh, I love that that line. And I, I thought about doing a collection of poetry of ours together. A lot of people, I, I like to write poetry too, and I'm, I'm not that great at it, but um, sometimes I'll share some. Sometimes I'll write like really, it's kind of dumb, but I call it like flash Instagram poems. I'll sort of have a picture and I'll just quickly try to write a poem and then I'll post it like uh, really fast and so some people are like oh you should do a collection of poetry so i thought about doing one together called your page and mine 
as a as a uh, sort of a uh, takeaway from from what he's done. But uh, but basically, my the the publisher who I, I'm pretty sure you met my my uh, brother-in-law Andrew, who's a, who's a publisher in our little operation, also a redheaded gentleman. He um he, he's just like he's the quick to remind is like nobody buys poetry, you know like. Uh, so there's there's the like my desire to like put out a poetry book. I'd love to honor him in that way. And then there's the uh, the capitalist in our group, uh, which is like we also have to feed our kids. And people don't generally buy. They say they want to have bought poetry, uh, and some people do, but it's uh, that's not really what. Uh, but someday, someday maybe I'll do that. I, I would love to do that. Poetry. It, my wife loves poetry, and she she writes often. She's actually very talented at it. I, she's a really <laughs> really good writer and so i love she, you know she's in especially when she's in the fire of life and a lot of things happening with young kids and there's so much on her plate and she started counseling all these things she'll rattle off a poem in like just a sitting one night and it'll be i don't know seven eight frames and it's excellent like you're very good at this at least from my person i don't know anything about writing poetry anything like that so I'm just kind of this goofy guy, but I, I feel, I feel her, what she's going through in her writing. And I'm like, that's special. That feels special. And yeah, it's such so a I, gift. I think like there's maybe points where you're like, the, we just have to do it. We still have to, we have to put it out publicly. We have to put it on Facebook. And sometimes you don't like, you know, there's things that you shouldn't, but uh, I think there's a value to putting it out there and seeing what, what, the Lord will do with it. Yeah, I, I think I was talking to a young writer yesterday, and it was sort of like she's really young and got she's got a lot of the discipline like down. She's really ahead of her time and thinking through all the like a lot of the craft and that kind of thing, which is so rare. But I was just and she was kind of seeking advice, and I was just like, part of it was part of my advice to her was like pay attention to your pain, and and uh, that that often stuff that that results from our pain is, I mean, that can be really destructive. We can do, I think you described what you're talking about reading like your wife's poetry, like from the fire of life. And like you, that can, you can turn that into like a flamethrower, you know, and you can, I mean, I'm sure you, you, you see this in politics a lot. It's just like, there's, there's like, there's like holding up a, a, a torch for light and there's like burning things down. And, and sometimes like the same, like uh, righteous impulse would come from both, but there's like a really good, uh, way to sort of deal with those feelings and there's a there's a really bad way to deal with it and i feel like often poetry and and in general and or or, or literature in general and poetry in particular is this sort of voice and uh, for for our sorrows and for and it's a it's a gift i feel like from god to say you know that, that we have to be able to like you said express and I, i'm kind of down on self-expression as a um as an as an end as in, like, just because I express myself, therefore I'm entitled to the attention of other people. I feel like a lot of artists feel that way, a lot of writers, and I just think that's not true at all. But, however, there's so much, um, I think, that can be channeled into a gift for other people. But even just leaving other people out entirely, it's for me, it's been a way to, to deal with suffering uh, is, is, to, is poetry. And often, I mean, people, you have the, the cliche of teenagers, you know, writing bad poetry about being in love and that kind of thing. And that's just, like, that's good. Like good. For, that's better than doing a lot of other things we can do with our pain. And I just think you look at the Bible and it's just, you look at the, the Psalms and they're just full of, of um, that those laments and, and 
deep, deep feelings. And it's, it's not, it's no less truthful that it's this deep well of emotion. I think it's almost like giving us this sort of pattern. This gives us, you know, the, the, the God has given us a, like a songbook of like how to, how to speak our pain and how to pray our pain, how to pray our tears. And, uh, and that's so, so I think, and that's, and that's music and it's, it's lyrics. It's, that's what it is. That's what the Psalter is. And so it's just a really powerful capacity and a gift. I feel like that God's given us um, for all, for, for all, yeah, like lots of kinds of art for sure, but poetry maybe particularly. And there was one of, one of the points, not in the, the chapters that I sent you of what I thought we talked about, but, love and service versus fame and self-expression I thought was a really mm. sweet way to explain what your what's motivating you in your work and it's it's really hard in a society that says self-expression like give us your truth tell us your your truth you know as opposed to love and service which is a very different side of, you know an opposing side of fame and self-expression caring about others sometimes love isn't about telling your tell like your own truth that you've come up with it's an actual truth something that's actually right and and good and positive for our world which is really sweet in your writing because it comes out in the way that it's not a lovey-dovey story for kids the green ember it's these are stories that have evil in them and they have pain and they have struggle they have death they have you know violence but it's you do such an incredible job of wrapping that in what a kid can handle. It was just, man, it just gives me goosebumps when I'm reading it in the, and as my daughters are going to sleep and they can't handle going to sleep and being on a cliffhanger of the next chapter, you know, they want me to read the next five chapters because you're in the middle of a, you know, this really intense scene. It's incredible writing. And I, I can see why it's, it's gone so well. It's a blessing to get to be a part of it. Thank you. I, I, that means so much to me, and I, I certainly like. Yeah, I, that's an answer to prayer to hear you say that. That's what I want is I want to give a good gift to kids, but I I just don't think it's I don't think it's a good gift when it's when you lie to kids about mm. about the difficulties of life and when you when you or or, or the um or the ease of battles, or, you know, we, we tell, we tell the, I just think it's, we only look at sort of the glory and we don't look at the pain. And, and I, yeah, I, I hope that, and, and so I think the stories are, are in that sense, dangerous to talk about them being dangerous to the darkness. Um, but, I, but I, but I, but I do have a father's heart and, and, uh, and a genuine affection and love and, uh, and I feel like a duty a responsibility of stewardship before God. Um, to serve these kids well, which to me means in part being honest with them, but you can't be all the way honest as far as you can't, you know, you can't just give all the horrors of life. And that's not, so, so wrapping those realities uh, in a hospitable frame, you know, for, for the kids to be able to handle is a, is a big priority of me. And I, and I would say that I, I, I care a lot about it, but also comes a little bit naturally to me at, because I just do it. I do it with my own family, I do it with my own kids. So that's where the green number came from with stories I told my kids. So it's a very, it's not a, I don't have to calculate a whole lot and like, oh, how do I balance this out? It's sort of my, I feel like it's my native tongue because I think I was just like born to be a dad. Like that's, I've always felt like daddish, you know, I've always thought being a father is what, what I, 
you know, even when I was a teenager, a young person, I thought, you know, I'd love to be a dad. Like I'd like to be a good dad. Like that, that would, and I think a lot, some of my gifts are sort of in that, that area. And I think those translate so, so well into um, being a storyteller for, for kid for other kids, uh, partly just because I don't have to, I don't have to like figure out what's the market say and what's the, what's hot right now. Or I, I can, I can be pretty, um, pretty honest and pretty, uh, natural in a way, I think, uh, and and I think be somewhat effective, uh, just because there's a lot of I think there's a lot of kids that are like my kids that are hungry for those kinds of stories. That's so true. I mean, it's true for my kids. I can just tell you, from our perspective, that's so very true. Watching them listen and and get so into this stuff, you know, wanting shirts and swords, and they had birthday parties that were around themed after your books. Um, just a sweet thing. And I think it's interesting too to to dovetail off that is giving the a gift for your kids with your work. And we talked about this a little bit uh, before the technical difficulties, but this podcast, I want it to be something that's a legacy evergreen topics. So I want my grandkids and my kids to look back and say, what was important to my dad, my grandfather? And it's these principles on faith, leadership, and business. That's why this podcast is important, even though I, you know, technically I'm really not getting anything out of it financially. It's a huge effort. I spent hours watching podcasts. Did you meet a, am I supposed to pay? Was that? Was yeah, it, supposed to spend the yeah, pay? Yeah. Great. Yeah, for, for all. You got to pay. You got to monetize this thing. You got to get to monetize it. You got to tell. You got to. We'll get to the business side of things, and you tell me. Give me your advice. <laughs> I gotta I subscribe to this uh, to be to be allowed. So no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm jiving with you. I appreciate. What no, you're I saying. get it, but I I I all the help I can get. But um, <laughs> I'll send you a Patreon link or something. But giving <laughs> giving a gift to your kids, you know, that with your work, with your efforts, with your mission, with your life, it's part of the reason why I ran for the Senate. It was just as a mission for us as a mission. I felt like it was being obedient to God's call in our lives, and that gift was investing in what we want to see the future to be for our kids the same way this podcast in in a lot in a lot of ways the motivating factor is that i want to have these conversations with my network of people that i care about and i trust and i and i respect and hear their perspective on these issues around faith business and leadership and that hopefully one day if that's a gift to even one of my kids that's special and i know you've done that trial by by fire just by telling these stories to your kids on your porch at night over years but can you can you dive into that a little bit as how you're thinking about it as not this isn't wasn't for anybody else it was just telling stories to my kids and it was a gift to them and because they enjoyed it so much it's it's kind of gotten legs yeah i do think i, I think you're exactly right it's sort of like um I sort of think about these, these spheres of stewardship that we have, and and you just described it really perfectly. Like thinking about sort of that first sphere of your own sort of family, sort of maybe branching out to your community, your state, your, your you know your county, your state, your nation, your world, and these different sort of levels of responsibility we have to each of those, and and that intense level of that first sphere. I almost kind of think like if you're not. And even there's sort of like qualifications for leadership in the Bible that are that describe about like how your household is and that kind of thing. I think part of that is just like if it doesn't if you if you if you if you're if you can't do it at home, like can you do it anywhere else? And maybe people would argue with that, but but uh, I just think that like caring a lot about sort of like um about 
how what your family's receiving and how you're serving your family, how how we're sort of like doing at home. And none of us are doing it perfectly for sure. But I love that you have that motivation of like, I love these kids right here. And like, there's a lot of other kids like them out there. And so I want to go to the Senate. I want to, I want to be involved with statecraft because it has an impact on real kids, like real kids that I care about that are in my community, that are in my state. You know, I just think that's so similar to what, 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 um, what's going on with me. Um, and actually it's funny that I really had a, there was a, there was a real clear, um, point in my own life about like deciding whether I would go into um, politics in West Virginia or, or um, pursue uh, storytelling. And uh, I thought one, uh, anyway, there was a whole lot that went into those, that decision, but I think both are so valuable. Um, I ultimately decided to to do storytelling and, and, um, it, and I, I think that was a good fit for me. And, and yeah, these stories that just bubbled up, very natural for our home life that we just told over over years and years like that, that eventually got to the point where my kids were saying to me hey daddy you gotta you gotta write this down so initially really did just write it down as a write down the green ember wrote that book almost like as a, as a um, memorial of what we'd done together like the time we'd had together as a little little keepsake little relic and and i, I genuinely was i i think this is true I mean, I had, I always thought like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be a writer. I'd love to, you know, have books that, that people cared about. But I really thought I've already won with this because we had such a great time. This is such a cool experience for us to have these stories. So I really was like, if this just stays in the family, that's fine. That's like, that's a really, that's winning. But then, you know, the fact that we shared it, that a lot of other people were like, hey, we, we like this too. Initially scared me really bad because I thought, oh man, I'm going to, surely I'm going to get better as a writer. And I hope this like this isn't the thing, and it really did start to scare me when more and more people. And I, I remember reading one review on Amazon that was like, "I know this book is really hyped up, and everybody's talking about it." And I was like, "What are you saying?" Like that just made me because I, I, I always li- I like the idea of you know little hillbilly from West Virginia. I like the underdog story, and that's definitely been uh, fa- a, a faithful account <laughs> of who we are and what what's happened here. Definitely. Uh, but it was just kind of like just to sure somebody say that the book had been hyped, you know, the, a lot of the, like, the, I was like, so, so somebody beyond my mom has heard of it. I just, it was so <laughs> astonishing to me. Um, so it's a little bit of a surprise, but, but I think there was something magical about that. Uh, Henry Nowen said that the most personal is the most universal. And I think that there's something true about that. There's something that just that really resonates with, with somebody doing something authentically for another person that they love or a few people that they love and that being translatable to a bigger group and really uh, have an assonance, have a resonance with, with those other people. It just, I tend to think that's normal. And, and I tend to think that people who sort of like, I'm going to do this because everybody, I'm going to do it for the whole world. I'm going to create this thing and everybody's going to love it. I just think that's naive. And, and maybe, um, I don't know, it may be misguided. Uh, and, and maybe it almost sort of indicates the whole the orientation of the heart of the person that's trying to give a gift. It's like, that's not really what I, you're almost like saying, what I really want is millions of fans. Like I really want the world to love me instead of like, I've got this gift that I want to share with these people. And, Oh, it's a little bit bigger than I thought that group. Oh, that's really cool. Like, wow. You know, so, so it's, I, I, so I, I just, I resonate deeply with what you're saying. When did you know that the book was really taken off? Uh, I don't know the dates. I don't really, I'm not like a, I don't keep track of, time very well like in in that sort of sense but i think experientially i can remember it probably was getting 
like you know when you first do there's a whole there's like the you've probably experienced this with your podcast but there's like the friends and family round or even like when you do a business you know there's like for your first users are the sort of friends and family and and um so we had that experience and that went well uh and uh but you never know like of course your aunt likes the book and of course your you know your, your mom's your mom gonna tell you how great it is at all times and it's like yeah See, i love you so, thank you so, so much exactly so you don't know the test comes you know a little bit further down the road and what you know i can remember getting and we, this is our small business so so you know we we were privy to the data um and i was seeing a lot of people buying it but a part of me honestly i was like and I was just kind of like, is this just friends and family? Are they people are buying it for other people? But I, I really started seeing a lot of um, Amazon reviews, and I didn't know who the people were. Uh, and that happened a little bit at the beginning, but it was kind of like, you know, I couldn't make uh, early on. I could sort of make a connection, like, oh, I know that person. They know this person or something. And then it was just a lot, like a lot of people who who I didn't know. And I was just like, what is the deal? And I genuinely, for a minute, thought, like, has my mom? Um, like made a bunch of fake accounts. Like, is she, is she like, or is like there a conspiracy with my friends, like to all sort of like make up names? Cause I, I just sort of didn't believe it. And then it just kept happening and happening. And I sort of like had to come to terms with, oh, people are, yeah, and also I had, we did no market, like almost no marketing. We spent no money on it. Um, I was working kind of two jobs, young family, volunteering. I was volunteer coach. I was, volunteer in my church a lot i had like no margin at all like it, things were insane like complete, i can't believe anything good came out of that whole period as far as like of quality because i had no i just had no margin to devote to it uh, but but um but uh it was just like so so what was happening was people were loving it and they were sharing with their friends and they were sharing it and so I, and that that was like became sort of undeniable to me like oh that's really happening and that was uh, so I, I don't know how early in the process it was. It wasn't very long because we sold out of our first imprint, like our first print run sold out pretty quickly. And it, that and we were terrified. We had we printed like fifteen hundred books and we were like, we're never going to, you know, if we could sell these all in 18 months, we could break even. And maybe, we'll be, you know, we were this really terrified sort of, um, you know, couple of missionary kids trying to start a business. And uh, and it was just that we were reprinting pretty quickly on early on so shockingly early on and and uh and and just kept going kept doing that over and over again and i just I, it just blew me away you guys had to have a, an incredible lesson in business development doing it all yourself too because you self-published you didn't have a publisher you're running this through your family your brothers with you josiah and your son josiah who's also written with you um is named after your brother and your brother-in-law you guys are just grinding out this business and you're having yeah. success without doing marketing, which is just phenomenal. Uh, because I think once you get to the homeschool get people, like if you can get the homeschool people signed off, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna demand their groups from around the world <laughs> read this and their to their kids. I mean, it's a it's a passionate group of people. It is. It's readers. It's like yeah, a bunch of readers. kids and some yeah. parents who like are very intentional. Yeah. 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 That, and at first it was just me and Andrew. So Josiah wasn't working for me. My okay. son Josiah was, was little. So, yeah, he, sure. you know, he was just a kid. And was my brother Josiah was. When did you release the book? 2015. The end of 14, beginning of 15. Is the official launch was being But that's where I got yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it did. Yeah. I think it was right at the end of 14. Right at the end of 15. 
That doesn't matter. I'm but, sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. That's great. But but it was just me and Andrew at the time. Josiah, my brother, he when we started doing events, he would start coming to those. And he's just like my best friend. And we, you know, we we were we played music together. We were church together. Uh we did every, you know, we did so much together. And and uh, so he would just come and help. And he was just an awesome, awesome guy to, you know, to, to join in. But you know, he he when when I when I quit my job uh in 2018, 17, 18, something like that. It was only we were only about two years into the whole process. He left his job too and joined us and sort of and then Andrew was sort of still part time for a while and then he finally joined us about two years ago um to be full time. So there's three of us that are full time in our little our little company. But but yeah, it was it was independently published. I mean you could say self published. That's a little bit of a misnomer because I didn't do it all myself and Andrew has some expertise in that. So I think it's got a, um, there's a, it's a little bit more like a small independent press, but we, and initially we wanted to do other authors, but because this sort of blew up so much, we didn't have capacity to handle that. So we just, we've just so far done my books, but we hope to someday do more. Maybe, maybe someday soon we'll, we'll, we'll have some other people involved, but, but yeah, really small ragtag guerrilla warfare. We, and again, all three of us, me and my brother and my brother-in-law were all poor missionary kids, didn't know anything about, you know, so we, we've had to learn. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit on Andrew's part, but I, I don't know. It's been a late blooming thing for me to learn about business and entrepreneurship. And so I've, you know, I've been reading Seth Godin and other, other people, you know, for, for years in these last sort of years to just to start to think about how do you share stuff? How do you, how do you, and, and so I've, it's been a, that's been a big learning curve for me. But at the beginning, people would come up to us at the beginning and be like, so how, what are you doing for marketing? Because obviously this thing is you know, still going really good. How, and I, we've, got a, we've got a bunch of unpaid moms out there that t- are telling other people about it. They're like our salesmen, you know, our salespeople out there in the world. They're killing it. And we're just like trying to remove obstacles. And that's really still our strategy is like remove obstacles from people we do we do a thing even in our events you probably kind of get a sense of this but we do kind of like um serve uh serve hard and sell easy like we don't we really don't try to sell uh, on the road at all like when we're doing events or anything we we're not really trying to sell we're just trying to be there trying to serve and the sales just sort of happen um we got enough people that are telling other people about it but uh that's a that's a privilege and it's an honor to to have that but we we're just you know I'm so indebted to all these these um these salespeople we have out in the world they're just kind of it's even funny that we'll have a line at at a at a um convention or you know some kind of book tour event and the and there'll be people like the people in the line are telling other people so there there'll be people I brought her up here because I had to tell it. and and so it, we just it's it feels so our, our audience is like the best it's the people like you guys it's just like the best people in the world like it's we're so so privileged it's really us. it's really interesting you talk about the just the the philosophy of not selling like easy, easy selling, but just providing incredible levels of value. And that creates the connection, the the trust. You give a speech on how to write. I had a homeschool convention, a bunch of moms around. I was like, well, this guy knows what he's talking about because look at him up here. And he's not trying to hard sell me on buying his book. He's just saying here, here are the things you need discipline. You know, you need, at some point you need to say, listen, if I want to do this for a living, I've got to, I've got to have a, have a schedule. I've got to do it. I've got to get after it. I've got to be disciplined. You know, you have these several pieces that you talk about as advice for writers that is coming across 
to somebody who's building that trust. So I can't, I can't even fathom what you've gone through there, but I kind of want to get into it. That was all over the place. I'm sorry, but the, let's, the entrepreneurial journey, can you walk me through that start? Did you, did you think we're not going to, I'm not going to quit my job until we have enough leeway for my brother to also do that because I need him with me or how'd you think through that? Yeah, I, I, that's, it was something like that, but that it was totally like, stressful having two people you feel responsible for. As well, it was in a family. sense, but I wasn't going to do it alone. I just wasn't going to like, I, I knew myself well enough and Josiah's just been, he's just like my wingman. He's my, he's my best man. He's, he's like, I was not going to quit my job uh, and just do this by myself. I just knew that I knew that would be a mistake uh, in, in, in so many ways. I didn't want to travel alone. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to be in it alone. I didn't want to. So, so it is a big deal. Cause you know, that's, that, that changes it from six miles to feed to 12 miles to feed, but it's, uh, you know, it's, so that, that, but I never really thought too much about that. It was just like, is the threshold there for us to both do this or is it, or we're we not doing this? So are we all going to be part-time? And it was a little bit of a make or break kind of period because we're doing it ourselves. It's kind of, it was too much to sort of handle part-time, but it was, um, but we, we really didn't want to like sell to a to publisher, you know, at that time, I feel like we just, the value of what we had was way beyond. I just think we were, we were seeing we were seeing a lot of value in in operating our own, own business i would say and it just the dynamic would change a whole lot but we were having to make some tough decisions there but 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 it was scary for me i'm very like sort of dispositionally conservative uh i'm like you know i i was listening to entrepreneurs talk about you know the the folly of thinking that the paycheck from a job was really secure and it's sort of like that whole idea of you know basically instead of relying on yourself you're relying on some other guy or 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 gal who's who's got to hold it together and 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 sort of like the most secure thing is to kind of rely on yourself and i i was sort of mentally understanding some of those things but emotionally just like you know i come from my family were subsistence farmers not very long ago you know and and then my literal family were like not super well to do like missionaries kids you know so so I, I i didn't come from a long line of people who were entrepreneurs my oldest brother was an entrepreneur and he was like the first person i ever knew that was like that and that was amazing and he was a huge influence on me uh in that and many other ways um but it wasn't like in the air you know it was kind of a, a really different thing and i and i'm not naturally very like um salesy or or um techy or like there was a lot of of weaknesses i would say in my own sort of makeup things that i wish i could go back and have more you know i wish i was like i'm not like the excel sheet guy you know like that you know, the people that sort of know how to run the numbers and the ledger book guy like i'm just not which is bad i hate even saying that because it's like it's such a def it's, it's it's such an excuse like i'll just i'll just i'll just um say i'm bad at all that so then i don't have to fool with it but anyway, I was, it wasn't what well, didn't come naturally to me, but but um, so I was nervous about it. But it was really quickly like uh, that time was just a sweet, sweet time. When when we did finally decide to do it, the Lord was just so good to us. I, I, I'm so also sort of an anxious person, and that's kind of a whole story. But that time, I felt so much peace, and I wrote I think my best book during that time. Like when I first left my job, and it was, you know, we were 
there were a lot of signs and um, I don't know, just like gifts during that season that made that, that communicated to me. I, I had the thing that I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs feel not too long into it. I was like, Oh, we should, we should have done this quicker. You know, like we could, yeah. I definitely, I've never felt like, Oh no, we're, you know, we made it. It's been a, a huge blessing. And that's so much credit to Andrew and to Josiah who handle so much and take so much of the burden that I'm really, so finding a good, finding good partners has been a massive part of my story. Like, and there's nothing that kind of can replace brothers, people who love you, who loved you before you, they knew you were popular or anything like that, that you've got this long track record with. And I know a lot of people say, oh, don't work with family and you won't be able to have Thanksgiving dinner together. And there's all those horror stories too. But our experience is we've been through the tough stuff. We're, we're in the tough stuff a lot, but boy, I just, knowing that these people love me uh, and we love each other and we care about each other's kids and all that stuff is just such a, it's been such a powerful bonus. Um, for us on our entrepreneurial journey. If you, do you think that if you have an interest in reconciliation, that that whole idea of don't hire your family, your friends or whomever, if you have some desire to say, listen, I, I just, I'm aware that I'm going to disappoint people and they're going to disappoint me. And I've just, I've got to be able to, if I trust that they're mature enough to believe the same thing that we can get through some hard moments and that it's worth having people around you that you trust deeply that you can't, you, you can't get rid of your family. They're your blood. You know, they're, they're a special gift from God. I just don't subscribe to that either. I don't, I think you ought to do business with your family and friends if you trust them, if you have the ability to reconcile. Now, if you don't, if you cut and run, which is what our society kind of tells us to do, then you're probably going to have a harder time. But if you have at least some desire to, to make, make good on things and, keep short accounts like it, it, it could be a real blessing because you know what you're getting mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you i mean it just feels like the same thing as you know lewis talks about like there, there's no safe place in the world um from like if, you, if you're not going to risk pain then you'll never love you know there's just like there's no the only safe place in the world i think is like is hell you know and uh, and closing yourself off so i just feel like it's it is a risk but it's a risk of love and it's, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people for whom, yeah, evaluate that relationship and like, yeah, you should not be in business with your brother. Like there's, maybe that's most people that's uh, maybe that for, for their relationship or whatever. But, but yeah, to me, that, that level of trust is so important. Like to know that somebody has your back, that, that is, is absolutely invaluable that, that, that these people have seen me at my worst. Um, I mean, Josiah particularly has really seen me at my worst and my lowest and been there. And, and, um, and I love him so much more and love Andrew so much more than like business success or money. I love his wife. I love his kids. You know, Andrew's wife is my sister who I took care of as like a little baby and have like loved my whole life. And like, so yeah, we're so tied that there's, there's no, um, I, I feel like that's been a, a massive, massive advantage, um, acknowledging the perils, um, for sure. But, and I think you said it so well, like the ability to sort of get, get along and to have short accounts and to reconcile because there like absolutely will be conflict. And, and, um, but it's the same thing as like a marriage. Like if you're <laughs> like, yeah, if you're, if you're a cut and run person, if you're then like, you're going to cut and run, that's like what you do. But if you're kind of like, we got to figure this out, we're, we're, we're together. And, um, then that's uh, I think you have a really 
yeah, a massive superpower sort of going into business if you if you have that. Uh, yeah. We lack a lot of things uh, for uh, like business acumen and other ways, but that like core loyalty and togetherness has been. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. How have you seen yourself grow? since jumping off the ledge and entrepreneurship because it's a terrifying thing i wake up now that it's it's so young for me that i wake up in the morning and kind of a fit knowing what i'm up against that day how many things i have on my plate and what i need to accomplish and it's just a, a constantly on thing how have you seen yourself grow in that and trusting and knowing that there's a lot of good on this side of it now and looking back and saying i'm really thankful that i had i got through that really hard moment yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I think the, 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 the ways I've grown a lot have been in, um, boldness and we've talked about this before you and I, but just sort of like when I, when I say, you know, we, that we, that we serve hard and sell easy, that's true, but I'm also like not afraid now, I'm less afraid than ever in my life to sort of say, well, just to say pretty boldly, like, you know, I, I, I love my books. Like, I think they're good. And I, I want, and I, and I, I stand behind the product. Like I back, like, I always think about sports stuff because we're, we're such a sports family, but I just think like there are players out there on the, on the field or the court and you can tell they back themselves. And I, like, and it's not arrogance necessarily when it's arrogant or it's showboaty or that kind of thing. That's one thing. But when you just see a player, like you almost like anybody at that top levels of anything, like you just, they back themselves and, and that confidence of like, no, I'm going to do Cause it's impossible. It's impossible to play for Liverpool or to play for the, the Lakers or to play for, you know, the, the, the chiefs or whoever, like you just can't, you can't do it. So the people that get there are, have this, 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 like they've, they've just defied, the world in a, in a, not in a, hopefully in an arrogant way, but just the confidence level of like, no, I'm here and I belong here. And I, and not in a, not in an arrogant way, or I'm ready to dominate you, but like that I, I, uh, I'm not apologizing. And I just feel like as a, and I, I think the, the, the more proud and fearful I've been, the quieter I've been and the more I've had my head down and mm. my posture like this, the more humility, the more I receive, receive what God's given me as a gift that I need to share with other people, the more my head goes up, the more my shoulders go back, the more I say yes, instead of saying like, oh, I mean, you can try the book. It's probably not very good, but, you know, to be like, no, I like it. And, and it's not C.S. Lewis. I'm not, you know, if you're looking for the next C.S. Lewis or the next J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, keep looking because it's but not what me. Are, what if you are? <laughs> Just remember the little guys. Remember me. Okay. When you become the next. <laughs> I've already forgotten your name. I can't. I can't even remember. <laughs> it's very um, forgettable. <laughs> no, you you gotta. It's never gonna happen because I'm never. You know, we don't. That's not who I am. So I and I, I just think like I have to be the best version of whoever I am, uh, and I want to yeah. grow and I want to I be responsible. But but God's given me these gifts for a reason, and people are responding to these books that I that I shared in a very, um, with a very open heart, with a very sincere heart. Um, and people responded to that. And I feel like my, my responsibility to that is to, and this is something Josiah has really counseled me big time on because I'll, you know, this is my biggest struggle is, has been one of my biggest struggles. I should say is like, I'll just be going to speak somewhere and I'm just in my heart. I'm just like, why does anyone, why would anyone want to listen to me? What's the, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not up for this. This is frightening. This is what, 
And Josiah would often be the person like, tell yourself the true story. You know, this is, uh, tell you, don't, don't lie to yourself. Don't, you know, and, 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 um, you know, accept that don't and actually the, the one of the keys for me is like, it's disrespectful to the audience for you to behave like this. It's disrespectful to those kids for you to basically say that they're stupid and that they, they have terrible taste and they're, they're making like, you know, no, that's not really what you believe. You believe that it's valuable. This is what you gave your kids. So it's so, so back yourself and be confident and to get your head up and speak and see them and look at them and show up for them and be, that's a lot different posture than what is natural for me. Like as far as like born this way, the way I'm born is very, I'll be like worried and, and probably selfish and thinking, what do people think of me? How am I coming off? And, oh, I don't want to seem like I'm too this or, but, but this sort of like growth thing for me has been like, get your head up and look around and see people and, and be brave. For me, being brave is like, is showing up and, 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 and speaking up instead of being like a little mumbling sort of uh, apologetic coward, which I think does come naturally to me, you know, to, to say, no, I'm going to project and I'm going to say who I am going to get, I'm going to, so that's been a massive like personal area of growth. And I think that's a business thing too, is I think there has to be, I mean, for, for, for being a writer, being a writer is insane. It's so dumb. Uh, who would do it? It's, it's, it doesn't work. You know, like it can't work. It's kind of like playing in the NFL or something like there are 8 million books being printed a year. There's there. Are, how many, how many podcasts are there? There's so many, like, why would you do a podcast? Like another guy doing a, like, it's, it's dumb. Yeah. It's, it's dumb tough. to write a book. It's dumb to expect other people to spend their time. So it's just like you there, you have to cultivate a kind of like uh, madness, a kind of like, uh, uh, and I don't make like light of like mental illness. I don't mean that, but I mean, just like this sort of like bravado that's, I think can be rooted in sort of, I think that our audacity can be, can be rooted in, I have this thing, like a, a, a get your MFA, modesty, fidelity and audacity these are like three sort of anchor words for me that, that like i always want to stay rude like who i am i want to stay modest i don't want to get too big for my britches i want to be um i want to be my father's son i want to i want to have a humble heart before god i want to be faithful in that way i also want to be faithful as if i want to have fidelity i want to i want to follow christ and i want to i don't want to tell lies and i don't want to um indulge in sin i don't want to that's not who i want to be and but then because of those two things, I think the third thing I can I can have audacity. So that's my MFA: modesty, fidelity, and audacity. But that audacity is rooted in sort of my identity as who I am in in, in Christ. But I'm like a big believer in that, and, and I never would have had that in in the past. That, that's that's something that's developing this this sort of like instead of being a like why me or why us um, kind of natural instinct. Instead of sort of like having an attitude of like, well, why not? Why not us? Why not these stories? Like, um, so so that's a, like a mindset sort of shift. I don't know. Um, I think like, and, and part of it is like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm scared. Yes. And yes, I don't have all the answers, but like that, I think, um, I think I heard Seth Godin first say that, but like, do it stupid, do it scared. And I just love that. Cause it's like you, if you are going to wait till it's all rational, you, you'll never, you'll never go. Um, or until you're not scared. Um, you'll never go. So like, so, so being, having a comfort level with like the discomfort of, of, uh, of this kind of work, um, that's been a growth area. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Or did well, I, just I, think ramble, well, I don't think you grow without being just uncomfortable. I think it's easy to yeah. sit in comfort and you don't grow in comfort. You're, you're moving back. And this is part of what needed to happen for me. Just a 
a moment where I needed to say, listen, no more comfort in this job. I need to go do, people have been asking me my advice on this for years. I need to go make a business out of it, jump off this cliff, see what I can make of it. We have enough runway. If I can't make it in a year, I'll go get another job. But I, I had to do it because I knew it would get the end of my life and say, I didn't do that thing that I dreamed of doing for years and years and years. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to get there. But I think as importantly is obedience to callings and, and faith. And I just wonder how, how much you see that being involved in your success, the, your book maybe transcending as a result of obedience and walking in faith and feeling like you have some level of favor with the Lord as a result of saying, Hey, this is for you. I'm serving. I'm, this isn't for me. I didn't, I didn't start with this. At least I don't get the impression that you started with this to make a ton of money. It was just an endeavor to serve people. And I think that's real leadership. I think leadership is service. I think it's why Jesus was so impactful, so influential. This person of Jesus' walk the planet, why was he in, impactful? Well, there's a lot of lessons in there about why he's the most influential person on the planet. And it was in large part because he served people, he cared about people. And so I just really wonder how big a piece that is for your success. And I think, in my own opinion, outside looking in, I think it's pretty massive. Yeah, for sure. For, for And what, what you just said a second ago about, like, your own story just reminds me of that whole like if there's no risk there's no like the nothing ventured nothing gained that whole thing like the, the whole idea of like it might not work you know that this might not work like if you're if you're do, always doing stuff and and you never come across the the like this might not work then are you really doing anything like that's that's uh that's worthwhile in the world like, yeah um and i feel like there's and sometimes the lesson is like failure and pain and then and that actually can be better than like a victory um, for, for like who you're going to become and your whole, the whole story. So there's like all the, all the possibilities are out there, but I, I love that you're doing something that like, that might not work. Cause that's just like, that's <laughs> so special to me. Like yeah. I, I think that's what I'm doing. That's my life is like this all the time. I'm, I'm like, this, this probably can't work, right? Like it's, it shouldn't work. And um, so, yeah, so I love that. I think that, that the risk, that, that, that the audacity is just so powerful, but yeah, for me, that fidelity part is so is huge to it because I do feel um, a pretty clear sense of calling. A pr pretty, um, I'm a real big believer in the doctrine of vocation uh, and 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 how the God is loving others in the world through calling people to do that. He he loves. He wants to heal. Um, he wants justice and the good law in Missouri. And so he's calling people, hey, I need, will you be a senator? Will you run for, you know, and so he wants to love people through that. And he's calling people to do it. He, he wants, he likes people to eat food. So he calls farmers, you know, he, he, he calls pastors, he calls moms, you know, he, he loves my kids and he wants them to have a sandwich and he's, hey, you, why don't you do it? And, and, and Martin Luther says that Christ is hidden in vocation. Um, which is a way of saying that he's present, that he's there, that he's 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 there in, in it. And so so that's a huge part of what I believe um about my calling is that 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 it's that it's a um that it's a responsibility, a stewardship that's from God. And that doesn't mean it's the same thing as a ministry. I don't think it's I don't think all things are like equal or anything like that. I think we have I think that's actually one of the cool things about the world is that we're not equal. Um and, and I think it's great to have equal justice and all that kind of 
uh, equity in courts and that kind of a thing. But I, I love the fact that like there are people stronger than me. There are people smarter than me. There are people who can dance better than me, like almost everyone. And people, you know, I love the difference. I love the actual diversity so much. I feel like in my own calling, I want to um, be the best I can be at that um, and to be faithful to the Lord. And I love the fact that I feel like I feel a pretty, um, a pretty strong. I think there was a time in my life where I thought that, that really like going into full-time Christian service, like being a pastor, being a missionary was like the really the only way. And then there was like, sort of like, Oh, there's also some other jobs that you could like, you could make money and try to give to missionaries or whatever. Uh, that that was kind of like, okay. as like a, maybe a little exception, but it's kind of like not really the main thing. But I, 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 I think that that's rooted in this sort of doctrine of, of um, redemption, which is true but almost to the exclusion of the doctrine of creation. So God, God made the world. And so because the world is, is his and, and, and he's like, all this stuff is his, the farming, you know, the podcasting, the, the momming, the pastoring, the plumbing, the, the plumbing, all of it. it. And it all has value. And we all have these different gifts and it kind of all fits together in the story. And there's not a real, like the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You know, we're different. Like I, we need the eye, we need the hand. So we need all these kind of types. So I feel really validated in that sense in my vocation. And I'm, I'm in a sort of a faith tradition that's, um, uh, that really affirms the, 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 the doctrine of vocation really robustly. So I feel, um, whereas maybe when I was younger, I might've felt a little bit of like, is this okay? Is it okay if I'm a storyteller? Like that's really, maybe that's like, that's like a secular thing to do or you know or if you do it you have to like sneak in bible verses and stuff yeah. i just don't feel that pressure anymore i don't i don't feel i feel like it's a it's an honest good vocation and i feel like um i have a of a good conscience um yeah. uh, toward the lord and 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 toward the people i'm serving uh, from it but that you're exactly right that's like the root that's that's everything in my life i pray and hope flows out of my identity of who I am in Christ um, because of what he's done, because of his victory, that I'm a participant in that with him and that he's rescued me and, and forgiven me and taken my place. Like those are all like, that's who I am is because of him. Uh, and there's no, uh, but it, but I don't, far from that sort of like invalidating me as a person or as a, or as a, or my vocation, it's almost like the opposite is true that like it gives meaning um, and gives purpose to uh, who I am and what I'm doing. I love it. Really quick before I get to my daughter's questions that I have to ask you before we get off here, and we're up, a, you know, it's been an hour now, so I want to make sure that I'm respecting your time, but how how has your wife been involved in what you're doing? Just really quickly, give me kind of a view of your marriage and how you partner together in this big endeavor to be this leader in as an author. Well, it's interesting. A, a lot of, I think, I feel like a lot of creative people are attracted to other creative types and they, there's like, oh, we'll do this together. And they're like, one will do one part of it. Another person, another part of it. We have, that's not been our experience. Gina is massively creative. I'm looking past my computer screen to a painting that she's done. That's all that she gave me as a gift. And it's awesome. She's super talented. She gardens, she makes things, she cooks. She's like a homemaker and a, like a green thumb. And she's very creative. We're kind of creative in different ways. Um, but she, so, so we have these sort of complementary kind of, a, a, I guess, um, gifts and, and, uh, and like sort of intuitions about like home life and what we do. Um, uh, and, and some of those are sort of traditional and some of them aren't as much, but, but, um, 
so she's been massive, massive, but not in the way that I think a lot of people think of as like, I've got to like, I'll be the person who edits everything and I'll be the one who designs this book. You know, she, that's not, it's more been like, she's almost like, uh, it's been liberating almost for both of us that I sort of like take care of one part of our, our, our domestic sort of affairs and she sort of take care of another. And I'm, I'm like a very much of a, cause I work from home and I'm kind of inclined this way. I'm like a, definitely like a jump in and do some laundry and jump in and, and wash dishes and stuff. That's kind of, um, the kind of person I am. We, we're not like strictly totally bifurcated, but, but, uh, but she's kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll homeschool and manage the home here and you, you know, go do this thing and I'll support you. And she does, she'll read and she's a really good, she actually is a really good editor. She, she's good at catching stuff. So she is involved. And anytime we do like uh, a lot of times we'll do like a big signing of books and stuff. She's involved. She's, she's great. She's great at, um, she does some social media sometimes, but generally speak, those are more like gestures. The posture is that I'm doing this work and she's very fulfilled in her own um, vocation, which is mostly centered around our home and our kids. Um, and she's very, very talented at that and many things. So that's got, it was always like her desire and, um, and our desire sort of like, um, complement each other in that sense. Um, so, so, so she's so partly is like she's massively involved, but she's also like it's not hanging on her. It's like she doesn't she doesn't share all the anxiety. It's not like we're talking through business all through the night. It's more like I go to her for advice about a lot of things instead of like we're just mutually deciding everything all the time. She actually prefers me to sort of like. I don't know, like if I handle stuff, like handle stuff out in the world with our business, that that's like her favorite thing. Like, yeah, yeah, make a decision, handle stuff. Like that's who she is. She's like a, she's like, okay, what's the vision here? What's what are we? Where are we going? And I'm I'm kind of a visionary sort of type, and she's very much like a doer. Like, all right, let's do it. Like, and she like like execute. Like she's a she's a she's a much better like executor than I am. So I don't know. I think our skills sort of compliment each other she's very involved in one sense and then sort of like also we're happy to like have our own sort of spheres uh, yeah. uh in, in this book how do you how does she celebrate successes so she's watching her husband become this this author that's done really well and sells a lot of books how does she get excited for you and with you and alongside of you hmm. man you, that you're we do not do that very well. Like just, it's so, it's funny probably, probably for how it looks maybe a little bit more on the outside. It's like, I don't know. It's almost like a, another sports analogy, but you know, when you, when you, when you go down and you shoot a three point, a big, like a big three pointer in a game or something and you, you drain it, it's like a great moment, you know, f for there. But like, what do you have to do? You have to like get back on defense. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, as an entrepreneur, there's like, there's not a lot of time to sort of stop and smell the road. It's always like another yeah. thing. So we're, we're not very good at that. Uh, I would say the best person in our team for that is Josiah, my brother who like will force us all to stop and like, Hey, we, this cool thing happened, but it's almost like um, I'm astonished at the things that would have been like, life altering massive big thing to me you know five to ten years ago are sometimes routine in a sense that like you know we'll send a book off like I, last week we sent a bunch of books off to press um we're doing sort of like a re um uh, we're doing new covers for the green ember and we had we're doing a bunch of like behind the scenes stuff so we did a bunch of work on 
sort of like reissuing the green ember that's going to be coming soon and we did tons of work on it and it was like we finished it it was like this big project and we're like oh so we went right into that off the tour so we went right into that no no break to say like oh what happened on the tour let's let's celebrate that was really special we got to meet thousands of people and you know went all over the country uh, we just went straight into doing that and when that was done we sent those things to press and we immediately we got our next book you know, you know which is called mooses with bazookas and other stories children should never read and we're immediately like working on that getting the cover right oh who are we doing for audio so it's like we do we're, we're terrible at that she's terrible at it. called, it's legit called <laughs> mooses with bazookas it's literally called mooses with bazookas and other stories children should never read <laughs> that's awesome i love it so much i can't let my kids near your stuff anymore it's so mean and ugly and hard for kids to handle it's outrageous this one's it's outrageous this one's this is kooky. This is a really. This is this is not the green ember for sure. Can you, can it, is it a title like Mooses with Bazookas? Is there any scenario in which it's not a little kooky? <laughs> I don't think so. It's funny. I had a friend who read it, um, and he was just like, you know, this was not very like, not very. Uh, I was kind of surprised by how you know it wasn't you know serious and structured, and it was really just kind of a lot of gags and stuff. And I was like, what did you think? Well, yeah, when you saw the title, uh, what did you think was uh, what was what was going to happen? Is the process anything like you've seen Elf, right? The movie Elf. Yeah, yeah. You got the the guy that comes in, like the expert children's writer. Is it anything like you bring this expert in and he's going through? He's like, I really got an idea right now that's just blowing my brain. And it's like bazookas in moose's hands, mooses with. <laughs> it's like yeah. that. Is, that's it. That we found it. It's, oh, it's it's weird because like I, you know it's uh, mooses with bazookas, right? <laughs> it's funny they they end up being the moose has been up being vulnerable in the book but uh but it's i can't wait my kids are gonna love that book it's crazy but but yeah i know it's it's funny because I, I, another privilege of this job is that i've sort of been able to follow my muse or uh, l- largely and i've had guys that are really supported and back back me up and they, they give a lot of feedback and andrew particularly he's the guy that's like hey I know you want to do a poetry book. Remember, nobody buys poetry. He's that kind of a guy who's like, you know, tells you, well, and Josiah is definitely a big dreamer, big idea, big like, oh, let's, you want to try this? Oh, let's do it, you know. And that's cool. I love, I love the contrast is good uh, there. But but largely, I get to sort of, you know, so so the mooses came from a guy making fun of me, which is kind of my love language. But a, a guy, um, I was on tour in South Carolina uh, at a bookstore and it was just kind of a friend. He, he said, um, so are you still doing this mooses? Or he said, you, are you still doing this rabbits with swords thing? And I was like, yeah, I'm still doing rabbits with swords. He's like, why don't you mix it up? Why don't you do like, I don't know, mooses with bazookas or something. And I, and I, I was like, well, one, I love you because you're making fun of me in it in a context where a lot of people have a lot of nice things to say about me. So, you know, sometimes on tour, I get a lot of, I get a lot of positive feedback. So it makes me laugh when someone, you know, treats me um, like a brother, Holy. you know, like a busting on a little bit. Yeah. yeah love it. <laughs> so, so I went home that night and was like, started writing this with the bazookas because I thought that was just such a funny thing. And I kind of liked the idea of sort of making fun of myself. Um, so anyway, but it turned into this little thing. That's uh, a little collection of, of, of stories that um, is going to, but but I get to do that. Like it's crazy that I'm I'm not. It's so cool to have a job where I'm basically like, oh, you want to write a book with your uh, then you know 15, 16 year old son? Like nobody's telling me, you know that's really dumb. You know, why don't you uh, do this thing that seems to work? 
you know, the, I can just say, well, no, the green number, the main green number series is four books. No, we're not doing any more after that. We're going to do, we'll do other stuff in the green number world, but that's it. Like that's the best for the story. So that's what we're doing. And like, people are like, okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's go for it. And I, that's what a privilege. And I'm going to say, Hey, let's, can we do a book with the mooses and bazookas? And guys are like, yeah, it might not work, but let's try it. You know? And, and, that, and it might not work really, really. People might be like, that's crazy. Um, but, I, but it's fun that we get, to, we get to try it. Yeah. How was, how has Jack Zulu gone? And you know, you're about a year in with that, having written that with your son, it was released, I think in November last year. How's yeah, that gone? Yeah. I think it was October of last year, but yeah, almost a year. It's great. Um, We have such outsized um, expectations. I do sometimes because of what's going on in the green ember world. People are really, really um, a lot of people really love that green ember series. Um, But this just as a one book of of a series is starting, it's been awesome. It's people are really enjoying. I think it's just like, it's, it's harder to get people to adopt it. You know, it's, I think it takes a little bit more effort to kind of, for people to sort of give it a chance, but I think it's doing better than the green ember did on its own when it first started out, um, which is um, really cool. And, and uh, I personally love, I think it's a, it's in many ways an improvement over the green ember series. I think bringing a lot of lessons of what we learned, what I've learned from that to the table and, and really fun collaborating with my son. So it's awesome. I'm working on book two. It's been kind of tough. We're, we're working on that together, Josiah and I, and it's been kind of hard um, to, to do, uh, to execute because there's so many other things, you know, when you're, when you're running a business and trying to put out other books and stuff, it's tough, but we're working on it really hard. And, and uh, uh, it, it, part of the reason it's hard is because we love it so much. and want it to be really, a really good gift. Uh, the fact that you're doing it with your sons, that's such a huge deal. All right. So, I got this, these questions for my daughter. I'm going to read these to you. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to answer the, write down your answer. I can't, my penmanship is not great and they mock me mercilessly for it, but I've got to ask these because my, my 11 year old, uh, all my daughters really think you're the greatest thing that's ever walked the earth outside of Jesus and my wife. But, um, this is really funny. Uh, because I told her yesterday I was going to have you on the podcast. She's like, you have Esty Smith on your podcast. So my podcast has made it now because I have Esty <laughs> Smith. Some hillbilly in West Virginia is on your, is on your podcast. That's, 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 that's the next that's series the with bazookas. He's coming up. <laughs> I've, hit the, yeah. I've hit the top. Okay. So first of all, she writes this note on the side. I don't know if you can see it. It says, I think you are a great author. Oh. So that's the first. That's the intro. Uh, are you going to write another Green Ember book? I think I know the answer to that. I'm going to write. Answer is yes. It's you are. Right. Yes. Really. Yep. I I am. Uh, I have already written part of it. Um. Yeah. And uh. And I've got more in my head. I've got a whole series planned out or thought through with about the Pilgrim. Um. A big mystery character for a lot of folks. Yeah. And so yeah. Questions about. Of, Pilgrim. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of uh. Yeah, I've left some breadcrumbs out there, and I I would like to track them down if the Lord gives me gives me days. Really quick, are you going to do? Is there any like? I didn't know, never ask you this, but is there a media future for this stuff? Because I know you've been asked about some of this. What is it? That's got to be exciting to talk to people about turning this into a production. Yeah, it is exciting, and it's exhausting. Uh, we've we've had a lot of conversations about it. It's difficult. We, we you know, feeling that, that keen sense of stewardship and responsibility to the kids. 
and just to the stories and what we want to do a great job with it. But yeah, right before I got right before I was got on line here with you, I was talking to some folks about that um, in a meeting. So so yeah, there's a lot of people who want to do it and interested in a lot of goodwill. We're just kind of waiting for right partners, right time. Yeah, um, that sort of thing. That's got to be tricky. All right. So what was your favorite Green Ember book to write? Well, the first one's special. I only say the first one was special just because of the circumstances and, and what it meant for us as a family. Um, but I alluded to it a little bit earlier. When I first quit my job, uh, I, I was the next book was uh, Ember Rising. And that's the third book in the main series there. And uh, I, I, there's something special about that book to me. I, I loved writing it. I had such a good time. I loved the result of it. I, that's, I think it's the best book uh, that I have out there in the Green Ember world for sure in my own opinion, and it's the longest, it's full of songs, I don't know, I just felt really, uh, I wrote a, wrote a lot of songs for it and in it, and um, yeah, I just love that one, that, so that's probably my favorite. That's great. Question three, did the characters surprise you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even like a, a really popular character like Helmer was a real surprise to me. He was just like sitting there um, when the kids came in to the uh, Savory Den in the first book, and there's I just he was there. I don't know why he was there, and I was just like, what's the deal with this guy? Like, what's his story? And I got I was really curious about him, so he surprised me, and it definitely surprised me that he became so central to the whole story. Like a, a, a total fan favorite, he's by far the favorite character of anybody um, uh, in the series, and uh, and he, yeah, total surprise. A lot of grief in our home when that. And I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was hard for us. I mean, my girls, yeah. cried. they cried. They're like, not Helmer. Yeah. Um, and then is is um, Jack Zulu your favorite book you've wrote? Or is the Green Ember your favorite book you've wrote? <laughs> I love that you maintained the grammar of that. Uh, I, <laughs> oh, that was, a, I taught her how to write. So that's that's <laughs> straight from my brain. I believe it's, I have wrote it. I have wrote it. Wrote it. Um, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I that's a tough one. They're special to me for different reasons and both involve the kids, you know, that, that Anne and Josiah particularly was, were, were the original audience for the green ember was really special. So I feel like that was our little story. And then the fact that Josiah and I wrote Jack Zulu together is really special. So I, I can't, I can't pick between them, uh, but it's the green ember. I love it. Sam, man, this has been sweet. It's been special. I think I've said it. This has been sweet a thousand times, but the thanks for the time, man. I really appreciate it. And getting through the technical difficulties there, hopefully this all comes out and we don't have to do it over again. Oh yeah, me too. It's, uh, but I would enjoy another conversation with you. It's always good to hang out and I've, I've, uh, I appreciate it. I feel like I talk too much. I feel like I should, I would like to hear more of what you have to say, but uh, when you come to West Virginia, we'll hang out. Yeah, well, maybe in in a little less than a year we'll be out there, and I'll bring my mics, and we'll have another follow up conversation. And it'll be great. Uh, I I really want to get to your missionary story. I just don't have time. You know, it's been it's already been kind of long in the tooth, but I want to hear about what it's like moving to South Africa when you're 12. I moved when I was in middle school, and it was awful, an awful experience. And so moving at that time in a kid's life is really hard. And so yeah. I would love to hear some background on that eventually so sounds great and thanks Love a lot it. where can yeah, people find you. you where's the where are the best places to interact with you or see your stuff or buy your books i mean don't come to my house that would be weird um but 
you can find me in my office uh, called The Forge. Uh, but no, I, I uh, just stsmith.com. You can find anything there. I think you can find all my stuff. Your pen name. Uh, so then your pen name at your pen name. <laughs> exactly. The, the the name I write with my pen that is totally fake. That's definitely it not means one. it's kind of in the realm of being right. It is. Yeah, you are. You're, you're right. It's in the realm. So so how can it be so wrong when it feels so right? It feels so right. I'm sorry. I'm just a nitwit. I don't have any experience in this space. Um, I'm embarrassed <laughs> my daughters when they see that I use pen, pen name wrong. <laughs> Maybe you're using it right. Maybe that is the right way. I've got real questions now. <laughs> Sam, thanks, man. Tell Josiah said thanks, too. That, that guy's a stud and uh, really enjoyed connecting with him over the, the kind of planning this out in short emails. But what a great guy he's wonderful he's wonderful thanks for thanks for having me and uh yeah i really appreciate it. enjoyed the conversation <laughs>